Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast. It is actually Friday morning as I record this, the wee hours of the morning, and the Steelers are losers. It is not a victory Friday. I, I hate Thursday night football. I'll get that out of the way right now. I had, I think it was Jeremy Betts who actually messaged me and said, do you really not like Thursday night football, and I said, I can't stand it. And he said, Why? It, it's, he loves it because he, for him, it's, it's another game to look forward to. This is so great. I just, I, I never like the fact that these players are going off hardly any practice. I know why the NFL does it. I'm not debating that by any stretch of the imagination, but my gosh, I hate it. I hate it for every team. This is not just the Steelers, and it's not just because they lost, but they do lose 29 to 17, 29. It, Technically, it was 23. The stupid laterals at the end of the game ends up going in the end zone. Touchdown. There's no extra point. 29-17 to was the final score. And there's a lot to talk about this game. The Steelers are now 1-2. and They've lost their last two games. And they have a little mini-bye before they come back to Acroshore Stadium. I want to get this out of the way first. Injuries. Akella Witherspoon left the game with a hamstring. It must have been, I, I would assume, it must probably more of the severe variety. And I don't say severe as in it could land him on IR or anything like that, but more along the lines of they ruled him out during the game. And so normally when that happens, it's severe enough that they're like, this guy can't come back. So Akella Witherspoon, who I'll be talking about later in the winners and losers segment of this podcast in the second half, he's he's going to be on the shelf maybe for a little bit. I'm not sure. We'll see what the I guess we'll have to wait a couple days before Mike Tomlin will address the media on Tuesday of next week, leading up to the Week 4 game against the Jets. That was the only injury of note. So the Steelers stay clean other than the Akello-Witherspoon injury. They should be able to handle that with Levi Wallace, Arthur Millette, Cam Sutton. So uh, they'll have to find a way, but we'll see. I don't want to jump to conclusions there. Also, in the post-game press conference, Mike Tomlin was asked whether he is considering a change at quarterback. And after this long-winded answer, he said definitively no. So if you're someone out there that's listening that's like, okay, Tomlin had to say something. Tomlin had to be the guy that said, you know what, we're going to go out there and and we're going to see. Even if he left the door open, I think that's where fans are. Even if he left the door just slightly ajar to a potential change, and he didn't. He didn't leave it open at all. So I'm trying to put my thoughts together here after the game. And this is difficult. It's difficult because it was a weird game. And there was a lot riding on this game, not just from a record standpoint. I talked about this in my previous podcast this week. How, you know, being 2-1 and one going into this mini-buy now that the, Cle- the Cleveland Browns are in that position. You know, they get to rest up and they're, they're sitting back. Hey, we won our game this week. I'm going to enjoy doing whatever I want to this weekend. The Steelers, they do not. 1-2. and two, but then you look at the, how, how was the performance of everyone? You know, who who played well, especially at the quarterback position? And to be honest with you, Mitch Trubisky did not play horribly. He played better than he did in week two against the New England Patriots. This is kind of where I want I wanted to start. There were a lot of people out there, and, and you could hear Kirk Herbstreet, which I like Kirk, Kirk, Kirk Herbstreet on Thursday Night Football. I think he does a good job. 
He and Al Michaels, although they, they're building rapport, I, I like that group better than Chris Collinsworth and some of the other clowns that we have to listen to. But still, the one thing you noticed about this game, let's talk about the offense first. Offensively, the first half, the Steelers were good. They weren't great, but they were good. Running the football, mixing it up, up-tempo, they showed some rhythm, you know, good balance between the run and the pass. I loved how they were getting Trubisky out of the pocket. This was what we wanted to see with Matt Canada. This was the offense that everyone talked about when they said, well, Ben can't run this offense. That's what everyone, well, Ben can't run Matt Canada's offense. You know, he's not mobile, he's under, under center. In the first half, I felt like this is exactly what we all expected. These were the characteristics of the Matt Canada offense we've all been waiting for. And then the second half happens. And the second half happens, and I'm like, what the you-know-what is going on? And maybe it was a lack of adjustments, but there was no tempo. I mean, you think about it. Let's go over the scenario. In case you didn't see the game, maybe you don't have Amazon Prime. It's 14-13. to Steelers have the lead going into halftime. They get the football, meaning the Pittsburgh Steelers receive the football to start the third quarter. And you're thinking, this is the drive. If they can come out, they just, they're just they coming out of halftime. They're going to have times to, to put a plan in place, a drive, some plays, at least a three-play script of here's what we want. We think this will be successful. Based on what we know, they, this will work. Now, they did move the football. I don't want to say that they came out, did three plays, and punted. They did move the football, but they didn't score points. It was one of those drives where you say, well, at least they flipped the field. And then what happened after that, though, was they gave up the lead, and they never got it back. And then after they did get the football back, what happened were three straight three and outs. Three straight three and outs. And when you think about what that does to a defense, a defense that's already played a crazy number of snaps in the first two games. They played 100 against Cincinnati. I believe they played over 60 uh, versus New England. I, I got that correct. I actually said Cincinnati was 100. New England, it was over 60. And they played, I think, over 70 on Thursday night. This defense, I don't care how much they're subbing in. They have to be absolutely gassed. And so in the first half, things were working better because the offense was sustaining drives. They were putting points on the board. They scored 14 first-half points. And then the second half comes, and again, they don't score those points on that first drive. They only score three points in the entire second half. But what was really weird for me, talking about the offense, was how Kirk Herbstreet mainly, I don't know why I just kept hearing his voice after the game, he said, this was this was better. The Steelers' offense played better. And I kept on thinking about that word. They played better. He didn't say they were good. He didn't say they were great, outstanding. Any other adjective that you want to use to describe the offense, he did not say that. He said well, they were better. And then I started, the, the, to me, my mental follow-up question is, okay, so you're saying it's better. What, what are we celebrating here? Are we celebrating 17 points? I mean, is that what we're doing now? We're saying, hey, Steelers, 
Y'all didn't win, and that sucks. But at least you scored 17 points. Pat yourselves on the back, guys. Good job. Good job. We'll see you out there next week. Take it easy. Have a safe trip back to Pittsburgh. Is that what we're doing? Are we celebrating mediocrity? That's my question at this stage in the game. And it's yes, it's only three, it's only three games. You don't think this season can spiral out of control quickly? I mean, seriously, you might be someone that says, Jeff, dude, it's just three games, man. Calm down. Like there's there's a lot of football left. They have 14 games left. I am fully aware that there are 14 games left. But let me just refresh your memory, okay? They're one and two. So what happens after this? Mini buy, as we call it. Week four, they have the Jets at home. All right, they're win. It's a winnable game. I'm not going to say it's an easy game. No game is going to be easy with this team, but it's a winnable game. Week five at Buffalo. Yep. Week six, the Buccaneers come to town. Yep. Week seven, they go to Miami on Sunday night. Yep. Week eight, Steelers at Eagles. Yep. I'm going to be honest with you here, folks. If I'm just writing on paper, who's definitely going to be favored in that game? The Steelers might be favored in one. In one. And so I understand why Mike Tomlin says that he wants to stick with Mitch Trubisky from a coaching standpoint. You want to give him an opportunity to prove himself. You want to give him an opportunity to be some form of constant. I guess if you if you want to put it that way, just like a, a constant within that group. He's a leader. He's a captain. They voted him a captain. But at some point, you have to ask yourself, if this was a better performance from Mitch Trubisky and a better performance from the offense, is this what we're talking about for the ceiling? Is this the ceiling of this offense? Or is Mike Tomlin going to be so stubborn, so stubborn, that he is going to jeopardize this entire season for this one decision. Now, I just want to say something real quick. I'm not here to suggest that Kenny Pickett would come in and Kenny Pickett would be the leader that everyone wants and he would lead this team like Ben Roethlisberger did in 2004 all the way to an AFC Championship game. I am not saying that at all. But I will continue to hammer home this point. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, in the future of the franchise and the organization, I just can't wrap my head around why they would consistently keep throwing Mitch Trubisky out there if it's just not working. I don't get it at all. I really don't. Because let's say this this season does spiral out of control. Let's say they beat the Jets, okay? They beat the Jets in week four. They're two and two. Feeling good about themselves. Then they go to Buffalo and lose two and three. Buccaneers come to town, they lose 2 and 4. They go to the Dolphins, lose 2 and 5. Go to the Eagles, haven't won there since like 1920, I think. Uh, it's a joke obviously, but it's been a long time. And they lose that game. Think about what that would be going into the week nine bye week. And so then, if that were the case, Tomlin says, "Okay, we're going to make a change." You go, "Okay, so now you're putting Kenny Pickett in. Now you're going to change it up." When things have just literally spiraled out of control, that's when you're going to change it up. I just don't agree with it. I really just don't agree with that decision. You want to talk about Matt Canada. You want to talk about Kenny Pickett. You want to talk about Mitch Trubisky. It's all fine and well. It's Mike Tomlin where the buck stops. The buck stops with him. He is the ultimate decision maker, and I think he is being kind of bullish on this decision. 
If if this could give them even a little spark, if Kenny Pickett coming in could give them a little bit of spark, it would get them get them going. I'm sorry, Mitch. I, I wanted to get I gave you a shot, but it just is it's not working out. It just doesn't seem like they want to go down that road. That's fine, but ask yourself if better is 17 points, if better is a second half where they only had two sustained drives, three consecutive three and outs, if that's what we're celebrating, I don't want to be a part of it, meaning I don't want to be a part of that party. I'm not a part of that party. I want them to be successful. And again, Mitch Trubisky is not the long-term answer a quarterback. Kenny Pickett is who they hope is. Might as well get him some experience. That's what I say. I've been saying it, screaming it from the mountaintop since the preseason. But we'll see. It's not my decision to make, but I will talk about it. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball before we take a break, and then I give you my winners and losers coming up here in the second half. Without T.J. Watt, the Steelers haven't won a game in at least the last two seasons. And this is what my thought was. You know, I I thought about, you know, the, the offense and celebrating being better. This cannot be the defense without T.J. Watt. I know that he is fantastic. I know that he is the reigning defensive player of the year. I know that he single-handedly can wreck a team's game plan and individual plays. I know this. I've seen him play every single snap of his career since he was drafted in the first round in 2017. But when he's not in the lineup, it cannot be this far from the expectation when he's in the lineup. The fall from grace cannot be this great. Cam Hayward had kind of disappeared. Didn't really see him too much. Not saying he's not doing his job. He's not making those splash plays. Yes, we saw Alex Highsmith get a sack, maybe a sack and a half. Not sure what the the, the actual numbers were. Larry O got in there. Where's the negative plays? Where's the negative plays without TJ Watt? Go back to week two. Minka Fitzpatrick interception. Anything else? Not really. They didn't have any sacks. I think last last uh, week against New England, they had maybe three quarterback hits. And that's it. That's it. And so you look at this week. This week, the Steelers end up with two sacks. They do give Alex Highsmith one and a half and Larry O a half. Quarterback hits, four. That's it. Four. Where's the pressure? Where's the pressure? It cannot I repeat, it cannot just be a T.J. Watt thing. If you have a team or a unit, or you know, in this case the defense, that is so focused on that one player always being there, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for failure. It, I, I look at this defense, and it just looks very mundane. I think it's a good word to describe the defense without T.J. Watt. Just very mundane, very average They don't do anything exceptionally well. They don't sack the quarterback. They don't take the ball away at a ridiculous clip. I I, I can't stop thinking. This can't be just because Watt's not in the game, right? I mean, tell me I'm not crazy here, people. There has to be something else going on. It cannot be just because one guy out of an 11-man unit isn't in the lineup that it's that far from the expectation. I just cannot wrap my brain around that, but it's statistics. 
the eye test, it all proves that that's the what that's the way it is. That is the way it is. It's scary, and you hope that TJ Watt can come back as soon as physically possible. Uh, it's just it's going to be a rough, rough go of it if this if this trends the same way for both the offense and the defense. Let's keep that in mind. All right, enough talk from me. When we get back, I'm going to be giving you my winners and losers. I ended up with, let me check here, the total tally is three winners and eight losers. Yeah, you can tell by those numbers how I feel about this game. Three winners, eight losers. Coming right up after this break. Stay tuned. Be right back. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time for the winners and losers segment. In case this is your first time checking out the Let's Ride podcast, I do this after every game. If they play on Monday night, I'll even do a special winners and losers segment that will run on Tuesday the next day. So here we go, Thursday night football edition, winners and losers. Here we go, the three winners, three. Number one, George Pickens. Let's go over this stat line. Three catches, 39 yards. 13-yard average, 36-long reception, seven targets, but he had one amazing catch. I'll tell you what, George Pickens has had many wow moments since he entered the NFL. This was the first one that he had in the regular season, though. People that went to training camp at Latrobe, they talked about, oh my gosh, Pickens made this catch. Pickens did this. Pickens, 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 Pickens. Everyone was talking about George Pickens. We hadn't seen him do it. Preseason, touchdown against Seattle from Mason Rudolph. Wow, there it was. That was a wow moment, but it wasn't the regular season. Finally, we get that wow moment, that unbelievable one-handed catch that is comparable to Odell Beckham Jr.'s uh, when he was with the New York Giants. Outside of the catch, I thought Pickens was kind of re- rather you know, average, is a good way to put it. He's a rookie, but that one catch, yeah, that gets you on the winner's list. That was phenomenal. All right, the next winner is the first half offense. Like I said at the beginning of the show, this is what we pictured when we pictured Matt Canada's offense. When we all thought and thought to ourselves, okay, if if Matt Canada had the offensive linemen, if Matt Canada had the receivers, the running backs, and a mobile quarterback, what does it look like? To me, it's that first half offense. They scored 14 points. They ran the ball. They were able to throw. They protected well. They moved Trubisky out of the pocket. And then the second half happened. But that first half, if they could duplicate that into four quarters – well, that's going to be pretty good stuff. So I, I kind of look forward to that. And there might be a spark that they could throw in there that would help spawn that in more than a half. But I digress. I'm not going to beat that dead horse too much more on this show. All right, the offensive line is the third winner. They surrendered a sack, kind of a scramble, but still it was registered a sack. And they rushed for 104 yards, 4.7 yard average. Folks, that's actually those are really good numbers. And these guys, the offensive line has been the whipping boys for the Steelers fan base. And 
you know, they continue to improve as the year progresses. Look, the, the running game in the second half, it was it was abandoned, basically. But in the first half, you saw some guys moving some bodies. And that's something that even our own Dave Schofield, Jeffrey Benedict, Kevin Smith had said, they're never really getting the push that you want to see. They were getting the push, in my opinion, in the first half. The offensive line looked great. Pass protection remains to be good. Uh, it wasn't perfect, but I thought it was a really big step in the right direction. So really good to see. Those three winners, I'll read them to you one more time. George Pickens, the first half offense, and the offensive line. Now we go to the eight losers. Ugh, the eight losers. There should not be eight losers, but there are. The first loser is Akella Witherspoon. Stat line, he had five tackles, four solo, and he did have a pass defense. Before Witherspoon left the game with that hamstring injury that I mentioned earlier in the show, it just seemed like every time the pass was going to Amari Cooper, he was in chase mode. He is in Akello Witherspoon. He's behind, he's chasing him down, and it seemed like he was giving up big play after big play. Now, I'm not trying to say that Amari Cooper's not still a really good receiver. He is. He can still run great routes. He's still explosive uh, off the ball. He is still a really good receiver. But, you know, the funny thing is, is fans always say, they run so much zone, they should run more man. They tried to run more man against Cleveland. And you saw Akella Witherspoon getting beat. He left a lot on the field Thursday night, and that included some really half-assed efforts at trying to tackle. He was not alone in that regard, but still, that's something Mike Tomlin talked about earlier in the week. That they're going to be that, that way. The way Cleveland runs the ball, they are going to put some serious stress on these defensive backs on the outside to make plays, to be physical, to make tackles. Not everyone wants to get into that mess. Mess when Nick Chubb is bearing down. He's a big dude. And I'm sorry, Akella Witherspoon was not up to the task uh, on Thursday. See, he's on the losers list. Another defensive back that finds itself on the losers list is Terrell Edmonds. He had only two tackles, one solo. He had several missed. And David Njoku took that guy to school. It was a situation where if you had Terrell Edmonds in coverage, the opposing offense was saying, up, as Antonio Brown once said, there's your candy bar. And what Antonio Brown meant when he said, there's your candy bar, is that's the matchup you want. That's the easy guy to get. Line me up over him, and we will feast. And David Njoku did feast in this game. How much did he feast? Well, let me tell you. He had nine catches for 89 yards. He did score a touchdown and was targeted 10 times. Only had one incompletion thrown his way. I mean, think about that. Nine catches for 89 yards. It had been a while since we had seen the Steelers struggle to cover a tight end, but Terrell Edmonds, boy, he reverted back to some of those old Terrell Edmonds years where it was just bad. And his coverage skills... We know there is Achilles heel, but yeah, that was bad. Terrell Edmonds is on the losers list. Okay, the next one I already talked about a little bit, so I'm not going to continue to harp on it. It's the defense without T.J. Watt. You know, they cannot be that reliant on one player. It just can't look like that. It can't be that way. I don't know what they have to do. You know, I mean, you would hope that Malik Reed, with his experience, could provide some type of spark. He hasn't yet. Alex Highsmith has been doing a good job. He's at four and a half sacks on the season. They need 
someone else that can give splash that is in the front seven. Minka Fitzpatrick's great, but he has to rely on a whole slew of things happening before he can make a splash play. So in that regard, they need to find someone, something, some group that can go out and make a play on defense until T.J. Watt comes back. The next loser, the second half offense. As great as the first half offense was when we said, man, just close your eyes and picture what we all thought Matt Canada's offense was supposed to look like, the second half offense was dreadful. It was the polar opposite of the first half. I outlined how they come out of halftime. They're leading by one point. They get the football. No points. Three straight. Three straight, folks. Three and outs. Think about what that does to a defense. The defense comes off the field, finally, a break. All right, they're getting their stuff together. They're getting their water, hydration, oxygen if they need it. They're talking to coaches. They're diagramming things, and you're back on the field. And they have to be just, oh, my gosh. I can imagine Cam Hayward getting his helmet and saying, geez, you come, give it, can we get a little bit of a break? Just a little bit. That second-half offense was atrocious. And it didn't help that the defense, because they were gassed, they were getting gashed by the run, which is the next loser The run defense. The Steelers surrendered 171 yards on the ground, a 4.5 average. So, you know, we all thought, hey, this is fixed. The run defense is fixed. Well, maybe not so much. For the second straight week, this defense has been gouged by the run when it matters the most. Think back to New England, six minutes left. They have the football. Don't worry. Steelers' defense is going to get the ball back. They're going to get a chance to go down and tie the game with a field goal. They never got the ball back. Similarly, against the Browns, they are just churning out the clock, just grinding the clock, grinding, working it, working the clock, and they eventually just controlled the line of scrimmage. It's something Mike Tomlin talked about in his post-game press conference, saying how... They just controlled the line of scrimmage. So in that regard, the run defense is not okay. The run defense has not been shored up. It's definitely a glaring issue moving forward. The next loser is third down offense. They were one for nine. One for nine. I had to double check the stats to make sure I I saw that correctly, that they were one for nine. On third down. My goal for them, that third down offensive unit, is to be 500. I don't even know what, to, I don't even know what else to say. Is it that they, you know, the, the nine attempts? And how few of dry? I, just, I don't know. But hey, don't worry. It was quote unquote better. That's what they say. That's what they tell me. Twitter land tells me it was better. Get out of here. All right, the next loser is, we have two left. Time of possession. The Steelers possessed the football on Thursday Night Football 23 minutes and 51 seconds. Cleveland possessed it 36 minutes and 9 seconds. 23 minutes to 36 minutes. I'm sorry. This is a growing theme for this Steelers defense being gassed, being on the field too long. The offense can't sustain drives. This is a cyclical problem, folks. People will say, well, the defense didn't get off the field. No, you're right. They didn't. But the offense also, when they did get off the field, or if they get off the field, the offense isn't doing their part in regards to sustaining drives and letting the defense rest. It's all it's a team game. They call it the ultimate team game for a reason, and this is a great example why. 
then Steelers need to possess the ball. They need to give their defense a chance to catch their breath. And if they can't do that, they're not going to win many games this year. The last winner, Pat Fryermuth targets. Pat Fryermuth targets. Now, in the game, I'm watching the game, and I'm sitting there consistently thinking, okay, has Pat Fryermuth gotten even a target yet? Really? And so I'm watching, and he hadn't. He hadn't gotten a target at all. And it wasn't until the Steelers' last sustained drive when Pat Fryermuth caught two catches for 41 yards. He ended up with four targets. He had two catches for 41 yards. I'm thinking, how have they not thrown this guy the ball yet? They haven't thrown in the ball yet at all. Pat Fryermuth, who I think is one of the is a great weapon. He is an absolute mismatch nightmare for linebackers and or safeties. And yet it took to the waning minutes of the game before they even sees he even sees a target. Look, I understand you want to keep a tight end in for pass protection. Do that with Zach Gentry. Let Pat Fryermuth work. Put him in the slot. Do something creative. I talked about being creative on offense. Haven't seen it, especially in the second half of that offensive performance was just bad. All right, so to recap, to recap those losers for you, all eight of them, Akella Witherspoon, Terrell Edmonds, the defense without TJ Watt, the second half offense, the run defense more specifically, the third down offense, time of possession, and Pat Fryermuth targets. Huh. This was a tough game, folks. You watched it. You know it. It was a tough game. And the Steelers, like I, I outlined earlier with the schedule, it does not getting any easier. It's not getting any easier, and the Steelers are going to have some tough decisions to make coming up. I don't expect any changes to happen anytime soon. I do not expect knee-jerk reactions from Mike Tomlin or the organization, but you do have to start questioning some of the methodology, both from an offensive and defensive side of the football. All right, I'm going to take a weekend. I'll be back on Monday for sure, but I'm going to take a weekend. I might be getting away from football a little bit. I might be off Twitter a little bit more than I usually. I mean, I'm not not shunning my ride-or-die crew. I will still respond to every single one of you all in some way, shape, or form, but I need to decompress after that game for sure. I'm sure you all would probably have to do the same too. So if you're like me, get out and get some golf and get some fresh air. And we will be back on Monday to get you geared up for week four. We'll talk about the NFL action that happened. Maybe I'll have a guest. I'll put out some feelers with some people I know, see if I can get someone on. In the meantime, though, I will be back talking all things Steelers with you on Monday morning, so don't miss it. In the meantime, you know we finished it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. And as always, go Steelers. We'll see you on Monday.